Hello, and welcome to the Giants in Disguise podcast. My name is Usman, and I will be taking you on a journey with some of the individuals who have inspired me to push my physical and emotional boundaries, to believe in myself and in my ideas. Ideas that have taken me to some incredible places and meet some incredible people. In this podcast, I hope to share the stories of those individuals. And I hope that they inspire you to challenge yourself and find the giant within you. I speak with Chloe Dagnall, who is raising money for a cause close to her heart. She's doing this by completing 12 challenges over 12 months in 2020 for Save the Children. So I had a conversation with a few colleagues um, at mm-hmm. work. I, I was kind of like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool to, to challenge myself for a whole year to do something? And I think it was as well pushing myself to do something new each time and 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 really develop myself over over a year. Yeah. So I thought, fantastic, why not do 12 months, 12 challenges? And why it matters to her. There's a lot of, of different things that have struck me. And I was very, very lucky to travel to some really, really interesting places um, as part of my previous job. Um, and the basic lack of amenities was something that was really striking. When I first recorded this podcast, we had just started to get to grips with the new lockdown restrictions, which has meant Chloe has to improvise some of the challenges. The 12 challenges range from a swim run to an Ironman triathlon, all of them pushing her to her limits, unleashing the giant within her. This is the Giants in Disguise podcast. Yeah, so hi, um, my name's Chloe. Um, I'm 26 years old and I live in London. Um, these have been my roots. Uh, this has been my stomping ground forever, really. Um, I grew up just outside of the city um, and had a very, very lovely childhood um, and was also always very active in my childhood. Um, so did lots of kind of mountain biking and loads of different fun activities, but mainly um, spent most of my time um, dancing and being an Irish dancer, which in turn led me to go to Belfast for university, mm-hmm. where I continued to uh, to train my craft and uh, had some good success there, but decided it was time to retire from that when I was about 22. Um, chose not to go down the route of joining professional shows, but instead to to get a job in the big smoke and um, have since then tried my hand at some more outdoorsy activities. So um, I have to say, although I was the adventurous type when I was growing up, I also hate the rain and I hate being cold. <laughs> so, um, go, so outdoors stuff wasn't always my jam when it wasn't the middle of summer um but a cousin um suggested that maybe we try a triathlon together uh and although he actually didn't end up doing it with me uh that was kind of the start of the journey that has brought me to the 12 months 12 challenges Mm -hmm. that i'm currently doing now yeah okay let's um let's dig a bit deeper into your childhood perhaps and where did you grow up and where did you live or you know yeah so i grew up um just south of london um in suburbia so mm-hmm. not many green fields to run around and explore um but plenty of stuff to do with london on the doorstep um 
my family home was a super happy home um, yeah. and my dad always had sport on the TV. So sport was always a massive thing in our household, whether it be football, the Olympics, there was always something on uh, and always someone to get inspired by on the TV, running around or passing a ball or rowing um, or tennis. I think anything that was showing, we uh, we got a glimpse of. Um, and so that really, um, as a child, um, kind of inspired me. I always thought athletes were super cool people, right? I always dreamt of going to the Olympics. I'm pretty disappointed that I didn't try and pursue a random sport and uh, and make my fame and get my gold medals that way. Um, Irish dancing it was instead, but um, yeah. I've, I've always kind of thought that athletes were these superhumans. Um, but I think something that I've discovered later on in life is that, you know, we can all we can all have a bit of that glory for ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Completely agree. Um, what about Irish dancing? How did you get into Irish dancing? If, uh, you know, yeah, that's a pretty random one. And most people assume that um, I have some Irish heritage, but I, uh -huh. I do not. Instead, my grandparents just had a video of Riverdance um, and my sister thought it was really cool. So she begged my mum to take us to lessons or rather begged my mum to take her to lessons. And I was that annoying little sister that joined in. And uh, it turned out that I, I had some pretty good natural talent at it. And with a bit of perseverance um, over the years, I just really fell in love with it uh, and ended up, um, yeah, as I say, going to Belfast for university so I could carry mm -hmm. on dancing. For a little bit longer um so dancing really runs in my family my my great grandparents owned a dance school and actually i live just around the corner from where that was now which is fun and then my dad was um a very good um ice dancer so um back in the must have been back in the 70s he was yeah. uh living his his glory days uh skating around the rinks um of, of south london and it took him all over the world to compete wow. um so dancing has always kind of been a thread in our family um so it was mm -hmm. pretty natural that i ended up being a dancer um and then yeah in my later years have have come to explore what else the world of sport has to offer yeah um so did you have any um people that inspired you was there <laughs> anyone in particular yeah um I have to say that that I can't, not one athlete sticks out in my mind as um, being a particular inspiration, but there's a lot of um, events that I really vividly remember. So um, one being Kelly Holmes running to double Olympic victory, uh, yeah. Paul, Paula Radcliffe breaking the marathon world record, uh, the English rugby success in the World Cup back in, I think maybe that was 2001, 2002, I can't mm -hmm. quite remember. Um, watching Olympics was always the highlight of the summer or the winter, right? So yeah. um, every four years when those summer games came on and it was the school holidays and I could sit and watch it all day, I, I really would. I think my mum found me in my bedroom once vividly jumping up and down on the bed watching uh, the rowing quartet come into mm -hmm. the victory that was the one that had uh, Matthew Pinson in it back in probably the Sydney 2000 Olympics so I must have only okay. been 
six years old. Yeah. There's lots of very fun sporting events that I can remember. And so from that, I've just really taken to Mm. see the athletes pushing themselves is is something really, really inspiring. um, And that's really, really incredible. What was, um, you mentioned you saw athletes pushing their, pushing themselves to their limits. Do you have a memory of when you felt you were literally at the brink of your physical emotion and emotional limits, uh, but you still pushed through them to achieve something? Um, was it something with Irish dancing or you know, anything else? There's there's a couple of things that that I can remember. So um, when we were children, um, we'd often go camping um, in the New Forest, which is a lovely place in awesome. the south of the love UK. Oh, I love it. It's <laughs> great down there. Um, yeah. And we would we would go off on our mountain bikes as a family, um, and out of the campsite that we would regularly stay in to get up into the forest was this really big hill, um, and I can vividly mm-hmm. remember trying to race my dad up it uh probably no older than the age of like seven or eight and you know your legs are burning and your lungs are burning and my sister and my mum had no interest in trying to fly Mm -hmm. up the hill as fast as we could but me and my dad would be kind of like pushing each other on and and getting to the front so that's definitely one thing that I can remember pushing myself physically but with dancing it was often a lot more emotional so the gains you're making on on a day to day are smaller, and there was the pressures of trying to attend class so many times a week and trying to get schoolwork or university work done at the same time. And I think that was a lot more emotionally challenging. And and with competitions, you you would often have setbacks where where you didn't perform quite as as how you would have liked. You you might yeah. have over or or made a mistake in the routine. And quite often bouncing back from that was was quite emotionally challenging, especially when you felt like you'd really built up for a big competition and it didn't go your way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think one thing I, I saw in myself was that um, the older I got, the more I was able to manage my mindset um, and the more positively I looked on things and the less yeah. pressure I put on myself, actually the, the better that I would end up performing. So yeah. that was definitely a lesson learned. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, you get a lot of setbacks and, um, but I feel there's a sense of achievement um, in, in finishing something if you've had those setbacks. If you haven't, then I feel, I mean, it, it still is an achievement, but I feel it's just much more um, satisfying. Absolutely. It's a lot sweeter victory yeah. if there's uh, if there's been some setbacks along the way. And I, I think one thing is that you just really tend to appreciate it more as well. Um, mm-hmm. when, when it hasn't been a smooth path to victory, it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. lovely to recognize how far you've come. Okay, let's go to your 12 months, 12 challenges. Um, how did that come about? Um, you you obviously had an inclination in sports and you know pushing yourself um but why 12 months and why 12 challenge you know so this is an interesting one and i i it was an idea floating around in my mind for a while so after trying my hand at a couple of triathlons um and and doing okay in them and, and actually really enjoying them 
um, I decided that, you know, I would love to start thinking about some bigger events, maybe try and do a marathon. So I had a conversation with a few colleagues um, at mm -hmm. work um, and I, I was kind of like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool to, to challenge myself for a whole year to do something? And I think it was as well pushing myself to do something new each time and, and, and really develop myself over, over a year. Um, and I'm also the type of person that has quite a short attention span. So I, I like to have something on the horizon to keep me motivated. Yeah. So I thought, fantastic, why not do 12 months, 12 challenges? Um, but like all these things, uh, a January came and went and I actually didn't start. And then this year I was <laughs> lucky enough to uh, get offered a place to run the London Marathon for Save the Children. Yeah. And I found that out in October of last year. And I thought, right, well, 2020, a new decade. Uh, it makes sense. So why not um, start with that 12 months, 12 challenges idea that I had and uh, and fill the first year of the decade with, with something really exciting mm -hmm. um, and that really pushes me and hopefully sets my decade off on a good footing. So that's sort of where it came about. As COVID-19 cancelled most events, Chloe was part of this year. She had to drum up ideas to challenge herself alone. The weekend of when she was supposed to run the London Marathon, she replaced with a triathlon, but with a slight twist. Um, over the course of the weekend, did the half Ironman distance. Yes. Um, okay. Of course, I didn't have a swimming pool. Swimming pool, yeah. <laughs> so um, I did uh, 1,900 reps of uh, swimming exercises instead, okay. each one to, to represent a meter of the swim, and then... 90k on my bike on the Saturday and then a half marathon on on the Sunday uh -huh. so was it was very fun to do and actually it was really nice to have something to work towards still in my training yeah. mm -hmm. um and this month I'm hoping that um kind of government guidance allowing I'll be able to do the London to Brighton bike ride which is a pretty popular yeah. challenge yeah when are you planning to do that next or well, this month right yeah, this month. So actually yeah. next weekend, um, if all looks okay. good and well, still here Ooh. in the UK. Have you done it before? Have you, have uh, you, no, uh, I haven't done it before. Yeah. I was actually meant okay. to do London to Brighton last year and unfortunately yeah. broke my foot. So um, wasn't mm. able to. Um, yeah. So excited to be able, fit and healthy and able to get back on the bike. There's, um, there's a climb at the end, Ditchling Beacon, if you're doing that. I have heard of, of that one. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a long, slow slog, isn't it? Well, I think once you've done it, you feel like, oh, it's not really that that long. But it is it is quite steep. Oh, initially. Okay. yeah. Right. But, I will um, gear myself long. up for it. <laughs> so talk me through some of the things that you've done so far. Um, and then perhaps some of the things that you will be doing um, or, or planning to do? Of course. So, um, yeah. so far this year, I started off in January doing a really fun event called The Swimmer, which I would highly recommend to anyone um, that is passing through London or lives in London. Um, it runs every month and it's a really, really great team that organise it. It was super fun, pretty casual. It was actually one of the only things that I could find going on in January that wasn't just your straightforward run. It was pretty challenging to actually find a challenge in January to take part in. 
Um, and the swimmer is a half marathon through London that takes in some of the outdoor swimming um, spaces as well. So we started at Hampstead Heath, uh, mm -hmm. getting in the ponds there, which was pretty mm -hmm. cold, uh, and then onto Parliament Hill Lido. Um, yeah through um through regent's park and down into hyde park where we got in the serpentine uh -huh. and then finishing in <laughs> lido so for me the girl that absolutely hates being cold <laughs> to be swimming <laughs> in january was probably the biggest challenge that i could have given myself yeah um, but it was great it's a great bunch of people that organize it they were so friendly um and mm -hmm. i actually had a really really fun day um, and I would really actually enjoy doing it in the warmer months, maybe not doing it in the winter again. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. Um, and then February, I ran a half marathon, the Hampton Court half marathon, which yeah. was good fun. March, my challenge actually got cancelled because of the UK lockdown coming into effect pretty quickly. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to arrange anything uh, quite in time so I'll be doing a double challenge in September yeah. instead um, and then of course April I did the half Ironman distance over a course of yeah. a week um, yeah. so I've got some exciting ones on the horizon as well I'm actually lucky enough that I've managed to secure a place in all three of the London Classics event this year so mm -hmm. I've got the Ride London, Ride London Mile Cycle in August, which I'm looking yeah. forward to. Then uh, the Serpentine Two Mile Swim in September. And mm -hmm. of course, the London Marathon's been moved to October. So yeah. hopefully that is well and truly um, on the horizon. Uh, mm -hmm. Other things that I've got a space in are the Great North Run, which I'm really excited about because that is meant to be really, really fun. So that's also in September. So that will be my double challenge month. Um, and I'm also hoping to complete the UK three peaks and also yeah. to compete the half Ironman distance um, in a single day um, at an official event. So okay. we'll see where I end <laughs> up. Um, it's kind of hard at the moment. The goalposts are constantly moving and things are constantly being rearranged, but um, I'll, I'll continue to train as best as I can. Yeah, how are you? training for something for all of these events um considering what's going on yeah um, it's um it's quite difficult and more difficult than i'd imagined as well um with the goalposts constantly moving uh keeping motivated is really really hard so even though the london marathon has been rescheduled for october there's still of course a chance that it may get cancelled again um yeah. and marathon training is such a slog that um, it's really, really hard to fully dedicate yourself when there's a niggle in the back of your mind that things might, that might not go ahead. Um, so I've enlisted the help of, of a great coach, um, Alex at Altera Performance, and he's mm -hmm. um, keeping me on track by giving me weekly training plans, which is actually really great because the accountability um, that someone is checking on my progress is, uh, is very motivating to get out and get on the bike and put the running shoes on. Um, yeah. really it's just about ke keeping my base fitness levels up and, and making sure I stay fit and healthy so that as soon as mm -hmm. things do get the green light, I'm ready to go ahead for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I'm, I'm fasting this month, so I've not been really doing anything at the moment and which is like, 
uh so suffocating because i really love like going outside cycling all the time pretty much um yeah so i can completely understand doing those base miles is so important so you are raising money for save the children by doing this 12 these 12 challenges um why is that important to you um so save the children is is really important to me so um if i kind of move away from sports and into my professional life um, i started um as after university as an international development consultant um working on an entrepreneurship and innovation team um that was experimenting with a lot of different tech um in southeast asia and sub-saharan africa um And whilst I was doing that, I also got exposure to a lot of the great work that charities are doing in in refugee camps and with um, displaced persons. And I really realized that um, the mission of Save the Children is is so important. So um, I was very, very lucky and very, very privileged to grow up in in a child, in a safe um, space with a very loving and supporting family with kind of no risks from conflict or war and with a great education system and healthcare system here in the UK. Um, and, and lots of children just aren't that lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's lovely to be able to complete these challenges whilst also, um, raising awareness and raising some money, um, for, for a charity that does so much good around the world. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, you're you're bang on. Um, you know, small things that we think are so normal are not. You know, they're really far fetched for a lot of people around the world. Um, completely agree. Um, do you have any memories from your experiences in Southeast Asia that you know remind me of why this is so important to you? Still. Yeah, I think that there's. Um there's a lot of, of different things that have struck me and I was very, very lucky to travel to some really, really interesting places um, as part of my previous job. Um, and the basic lack of amenities was something that was really striking. Um, I was working on a project looking to use drone deliveries to um, deliver medicine to far um, to rural communities in Malawi. Um, and yeah. the health clinics there were hardly accessible by road um, and they were really, really basic. They had just had fridges installed to keep medicines at the right temperature. Um, and that is something that we completely take for granted, right? A fridge keeping something at the right temperature. We all have them in all of our homes. Of course, they're in hospitals, keeping our medicines um, safe and effective. Um, but for this clinic in Malawi, it was a, a massive deal that they just had this fridge installed. And I think it's really um, interesting how much we take for granted. So we, and and how much we can do without, if, if, if we can, we live very much lives of luxury here in the UK. Um, so it's really important to, to share what we can yeah. and keep supporting organizations like Save the Children to, to better the lives of those less fortunate than ourselves. Yeah, um, true. I've, I've seen a lot as well and completely agree. Um, I mean, me being from Pakistan, I know. So yeah, I, yeah. I think in Southeast Asia as well, one of the things that was really noticeable was in cities, how overcrowded a lot of them are. 
um, and how our homes all have um, running water and really good sewage systems. Um, but in other parts of the world, that's, that's not the case. Um, and sanitation mm. and hygiene uh, just aren't as at higher as higher levels as we have here in the UK. Um, so yeah, basic deliveries like soap, we wouldn't even think about not having soap to wash our hands with. Um, yeah, it's really important that um, that others have access to these basic immunities too. Yeah, true. Yeah, okay, let's shift a bit and go on to just general you know, adventures. And like, I, I wanted to know what what how do you define adventure? How do I define adventure? That's a big question. Um, I would see it as doing anything that is different and pushing you away from your usual activities and your day-to-day -day activities. But it doesn't necessarily have to be big, right? So adventure could be as small as going to a different park or exploring a new part of town, um, but it can be as big as climbing a mountain or pushing yourself through some new sort of challenge. Um, and it's really, I think, just about new experiences. Um, and that's that's how I see adventure. Do you think anyone can have an adventure then? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's actually really fun to set yourself small challenges and to set yourself small adventures. Um, and also, I think it's a bit of a mindset as well, as cheesy as mm. that might, might sound, right? So going to a new place and, and discovering something new or go, just going to a new park, it might seem like a really regular activity but if you frame it in your own mind as a bit of an adventure and going to explore somewhere new then it's it's a fun way to see the world no this is so true because let's you know just think from the perspective of someone in let's say sub-saharan africa right um a kid growing up um for them even a small thing is perhaps you know, adventure and for us, it might not, you know, you might not consider it to be, but it is for them. And I think realizing that is important. Yeah. And I think it can make you view the world as a much more fun and exciting place. If you view things through, through the lens of having an adventure and having a new experience, no matter how small. So if it's something like trying a new restaurant, it's, it's an adventure, right? It's You're going to have a great time. You're going to do something new. You're going to do something different. Um, if it's going, to, yeah, going to, to a new part of town, it's a bit of an adventure. You're going to find out yeah. something new. Um, yeah. So I think looking at things as an adventure is a great way of having an adventure. I mean, I've been thinking about role models a lot recently and... You know, perhaps the lack of role models for a lot of, um, you know, children who aren't from the UK, let's say, because um, England does a really good job of promoting, you know, sports and people, athletes, you know, you talked about, you know, you as a kid. And I think just framing things a bit differently in terms of adventures is a way of encouraging people to get out or kids to to think big. And yeah. To think big and try new things. I think that's really important, right? Um, and yeah. I think particularly important there is um, framing education as um, as an adventure, right? You're learning new yeah. things. It's, it opens doors to new experiences. Um, yeah. And although we promote sport a lot here in the UK, I think um, still 
particularly for females, um, there hasn't been such a good job of promoting uh, professional women. So, and mm. women doing really exciting things in science and technology and engineering. Um, that's definitely where I see a, a lack of role models here in the UK. Um, so I think it's really, really important for every child um, to see someone that they feel like they could become and they feel inspired by. Um, and I think seeing someone that has similarities to you is is what's so important. And that's why actually kind of na national um, role models uh, or regional role models are, are important. People that are close to you but have, have achieved some really interesting things, spreading their, their messages and stories is, is really important. Yeah, so true. Um, so I think just to wrap things up, um, what are you grateful for right now? I'm a lot of things that I am very grateful for right now. I'm very grateful to have a job that is able to continue in the current climate. I'm very grateful to have a loving and wonderful family. I mean, I'm very grateful for the technology that keeps us connected. This would be far harder if I couldn't speak to my mom at the end of a hard day. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for for a lot, and I'm I'm very very grateful to live in a society where, even though we're going through a terrible pandemic, I still seem to have all the amenities that I need um, at the end of my fingertips. So feeling yeah. very 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 grateful. Awesome, that, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, thank you very much. Great, really thank you. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun. Good. I just love having these conversations where you wonder how a small idea can impact your life so profoundly. I would love to hear what ideas you have that you think you can turn into a reality.